Welcome to the Open Bedroom Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Kalo. Welcome to conversations about open relationships, online dating, conscious uncoupling, and creating the relationship that truly aligns for you. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope that you do a couple things for us. Would you subscribe? Would you write a review? Maybe share us with your friends. And if you extra, extra like us, there's a link in the show notes here for my Patreon that does help pay for the creation of this podcast. And lastly, follow us on The Open Bedroom. We are on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I hope you enjoy the show. So, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have Danielle from Openly Committed, and you're probably like, who is she? I don't know. I'm not sure who she is. She has like 130,000 followers on TikTok, over 2 million views. And today, I'm super excited to have her on because we're going to be talking about all kinds of super yumminess, like being open and what it's like to be a content creator in this space, as well as the haters, which I'm kind of excited to have a conversation about because I've had my first batch of hate coming to me. Um, so wild, I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So Danielle, would you please introduce yourself? Let us know who are you and maybe start with like, really, who are you? Like as a person, are you a mom? Are you, I know you're a wife. I think you live on a farm. Like you seem like <laughs> such a normal girl. <laughs> Will you talk I am a that? normal girl. I am. I think of myself as quite normal in the whole scheme of things. You are. Um, I started, I started sharing my journey on social media about a year and a half ago. Um, and I still think I'm, I'm, I'm normal. And before then <laughs> I was even more normal. Um, so I'm originally from small town, Texas. I was just visiting my family there. Hence all of my recent Instagram stories about cows. Yeah. I um, love that. And are cows polygamists, which is not a question I ever thought I would answer in social media context. Um, so I'm originally from small town, Texas. I feel very fortunate that I've traveled a ton. Uh, so lived for a long time in the U.S. I also lived in Austria for four years, went to college in the U.S., but then back in Germany. I'm currently in England at the moment because I married a British guy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I am married to him. We've been married for 10 years. We have two amazing kids together, a five-year-old and a 10-year-old. And we've been non-monogamous for 13 years. So we've been in an open relationship since we started dating. Uh, about two to three months into our relationship, he brought up the idea of non-monogamy. And it's something that we explored for ourselves, uh, decided that it was going to work for us. And, um, and I remember 13 years ago, not having a ton of content, not having a lot of examples. There were a few books out there about non-monogamy, but other than that, it was really hard to find examples of healthy non-monogamous relationships. Um, and so the reason I started creating content, uh, about a year and a half ago was so that maybe some other people would have examples of non-monogamy and I could kind of share my journey and it has been a whirlwind ever since, <laughs> but that's, I think that's me in a nutshell. That's perfect. And what a perfect uh, opener. You know, my, you don't know, because you don't know me either. But um, so I've let me I guess I'll share my story really yes, quick. So I've yes, um, November will be two years since I first opened up my relationship. And I've now opened it with two different men, my ex husband, because he decided he just wanted to be vanilla. And he did he was not into being open. And so one of the partners that I met while we were open is my partner, Scott, who now lives with us and helps raise kids with me. And um, okay. so, yeah, almost two years. And it's been an interesting journey. He, his definition of polyamory 
is non-hierarchical polyamory. And he was like, when I first heard about this in like college, 20 something years ago, that's the way it was. And that's the way I believe it is. And so then he met me and I'm like, no, I don't, that's not the only way to be poly. There's like 15 different ways. And, and we aren't. So anyway, that, that, and that was the topic of my latest hate speech. And so I think as we continue to kind of drill down into how you guys practice, one thing I've, I've noticed too, is I don't think I've ever actually seen a picture of your husband. Like it's just you, mm-hmm. you're the forefront. This is your thing. Um, and then I've also noticed that you've got some offerings on your website. You've got kind of like a course of how to open up and a downloadable and all kinds of fun stuff. So keep telling us about your journey. Yeah. So my, um, when I started the social media content, um, and started sharing this, I kind of did it on a whim. Mm -hmm. Um, so during, yeah, about a year and a half ago. So February, 2022, I was talking to my husband. I was like, you know what? I've kind of wanted, I had so many people at that time, so many friends asking me about being open. And I said, you know what, honey, I want to write a blog. Like I want to write a blog post. I want to share stories. I've, um, at that time I'd already had the idea, like I kind of almost wanted to write a book or essays about open relationships and about my story. I think of myself as a storyteller. And my husband was like, well, don't write a blog. No one reads blogs. Go, go post on TikTok. And I was like, ah, whatever. Okay. Fine. I don't know. And so I created three little videos really quietly. Like everyone in the fa- family in the house was sleeping. And so I kind of recorded them. I posted them on TikTok. I forgot about it. Hmm. And then three days later, I look and it's, and you know, these videos, I have like 6,000 followers overnight. And one of the videos had started to trend. I was like, oh my God, what just happened? And so when we first started this, you know, um, actually my husband wasn't a lot of the content, you know, because I think when we started, I had the, my first three videos actually went viral. So all three videos had over a million views. Uh, the first one, the third one I posted got 4 million views, tons of hate in there. But my husband and I then were like, okay, I guess we're going to answer a whole bunch of questions. We had a whole bunch of questions. So we actually started creating videos, just the two of us, the two of us. So, and he created some responses as well. And about six months into it, you know, I felt, I was, I felt I felt wonderful. I loved answering so many questions. I still do so. The best way to answer, ask me questions is might be on my Instagram DMs. I love responding to people's comments. Um, and I still get a ton of hate and I still get a lot of really mean, nasty comments. But for all of the people that reach out and ask genuine questions and I get to have conversations with, that makes it worth it for me. I think my husband didn't get to experience both sides. I think he only got to experience the side where people were commenting truly mean things about him, about us, and about our relationship. And my husband decided, because we're in a non-monogamous relationship, we talk about boundaries all the time, mm-hmm. he decided, you know what, I'm going to set up a boundary, which is, I no longer want to be featured on your content. Like, I no longer want to expose myself um, to these really mean comments and this mm-hmm. this hate that's out there like I, I I love you I love my life I I really I have we have such an incredible relationship I don't want to be part of this I, I support you I I you know he he still sees all my content he's still like he's secretly he has a secret account that he watches my lives you know and so he's still uh he's still very active on behind the scenes but he's no longer kind of visually there and as you pro- as you know, as someone in an open relationship, respecting someone else's boundaries is incredibly important. As important as being able to say, "Whoa, my boundaries just changed because this aspect of our life changed," and, and that's kind of what happened to us. So we was very, very active in it. 
Uh, and sadly, he's not as much anymore. I really miss having him here. And I, I I love, you know, having, I think one of the things that's really wonderful about content creators that have both partners is you get both perspectives, which are very different. Um, and I think right now my content really is just my perspective uh, and it's not both of our perspectives. Yeah. I try to but that's okay. And it's okay. It's, a, it's okay. And it's interesting. Um, I think you just recently met Andrea and I don't think I've ever seen her partner either or partners. Maybe I have. I don't know. I think it's predominantly her because she answers on TikTok and it's her face, right? Like she's yes. like, okay, okay, John, let me answer that for you. So I think I see her face so much that I disassociate her. Um, Scott has joined my podcast. In fact, we just recorded one on men, how to be better lovers. Because when Ooh. we go out on dates with other people, it's hilarious. Sometimes with couples, the, the lady will be like, I just don't know how to orgasm. I never feel turned on. He just touches me and I feel gross. And we're both like, what is happening? <laughs> so, so he came on and we had a conversation about that. So I feel like Scott is like within reach where I can pull him in when I need him, but <clears throat> excuse me, normally it's just me, which makes things easy. Right. Cause you can just, yeah. you know, turn your phone on and have a quick conversation. So I think my next question is why do you think the world uh, Cause I'm assuming this because you're, you're in England, you probably have a global presence more so maybe more in America. I'm not sure, but why do you think the world is so interested these days in open relationships, non-monogamy? Like what makes you the person that starts a TikTok account and you're not really anyone famous. And then all of a sudden you have a gazillion followers. Tell me a little bit about the space and mm. why you think it's so interesting to people, even if they're haters. Maybe yeah, that's a great question. I think there's I think there's two things that I'm sort of seeing right now in terms of why are people more interested in open relationships, not just from a, you know, a, a topic perspective, but why are people exploring open relationships in, more often in general? I think the first one is around adultery and cheating and the stats around cheating. And I think the second one is around kind of gender fluidity and the and much more sexual exploration and experimentation that we're seeing in kind of Gen Z that we weren't seeing in, in other generations. So I think regarding the first point, when I look at cheating stats and I look at affairs, um, I, to anyone who follows my content, you know how much I love Esther Perel um, and her book, um, The State of Affairs. And when I look at cheating stats, cheating stats haven't have actually gone up when you look at the number of affairs and adulteries and infidelities in, 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 in relationships. And when you start to dive into those stats, it's actually mostly driven by women, which is fascinating. So men, according to the stats that I've been reading, are not actually cheating more than they were 30 years ago. It is women that are actually starting to have more infidelities um, and have more affairs. Mm. And I think that, that is really interesting. So that you so people are looking at their relationships. And when you if you were to when I think about infidelities and I think about cheating, that is a betrayal. That is a betrayal of trust. That is deeply harmful to either member of that relationship. And if people want to solve that, if people are having a conversation, wow, there's been infidelities, there's a lot of infidelities in the world. How do we solve that? I think an open relationship often comes up because it is a much more honest, transparent way of allowing people of allowing these relationships to happen. Um and so I think that that's that's the one that's the one side of it. So is open relationships as a solution to infidelities. Now I do not recommend an open relationship to couples who have recently experienced an infidelity, mm -hmm. but I do think that they, you know, kind of the exploration of one goes hand in hand with the increase of the stats of the other. 
I think the second thing that's probably driving open relationships, especially in a younger generation, when I look at Gen Z, I mean, we are hearing so many conversations around gender fluidity right now, you know, people identifying as, you know, determining their own gender or identifying as pansexual or transitioning. And so when people are thinking about gender as being something that's really fluid, and at the same time, people are also having much more exploration in terms of their sexuality. So, and I, I do not have, um, I do not know the source for this, but my my sister-in-law is a therapist here in, in the UK, and she was telling me that they recently did a survey of university students, and more university students identify as bisexual than they do heterosexual right now in the UK. Wow. And again, I do not have a source for that, but I think it kind of goes it kind of supports this idea that people are feeling more bisexual and feeling like there's more exploration and encouragement of exploration of their sexuality. And so when people have fluidity in their gender and they have exploration of their sexuality, I feel like fluidity and exploration in your relationship styles is just kind of the next it's step. part of it. It's just all, it all goes together, right? So I think that those are sort of the two things from my perspective that are driving an interest in open relationships. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think if you're like woo-woo at all, that there's this global consciousness as well that seems to be kind of expanding and rising into like just being okay with creating a yeah. safe space. Um, like we've legalized gay marriage, which is hilarious. And like, it's not, that's not hilarious, but the hilarious part is like, this open relationship thing is is viewed as bizarre. So like the woman that we are dating, um, that Scott and I are dating, she's been married to a man, she's been married to a woman. And when she was married to a woman, she was very much, I am a lesbian. And in mm. like the old school lesbian crowd here in our area, where it was like, <clears throat> you don't go back, you don't date men again. And it's so it's it's fascinating as she's become open in her 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 life. She's now polyamorous and in an open relationship with us and seeing other people. That feels edgier to her than being gay, which is right. fascinating. Right. And her crowd is like, what are you doing? <laughs> to me, it just feels like a natural evolution. You're like, okay, I'm bisexual. And then you're like, great, I'm gonna also try other people. But Hey there, I love to tell you about my Patreon account. So as many of you know, as things become more and more censored, it's harder for content creators like us to stay live on these amazing platforms like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. So what I've done is our spicier content now lives over on Patreon. We currently have some really fun episodes up, like how to give amazing blowjobs. I also just recorded and uploaded my night in a dungeon with a dominatrix. What can you expect? Weekly episodes and weekly content, some of it being sex ed, some of it being story and erotic telling, like I just did with my night in the dungeon, some of it being more podcasting where we have a guest on. So for an entry price right now of $5 per month, you can hop into my Patreon account and check it out. Check the show notes below for more information. Hope to see you there. Bye. Are you also, um, apart from your experiences personally, what else are you seeing kind of out in the world that is driving you to create more content around non-monogamy? I know that you interviewed another couple recently non-monogamous and now interviewing me. What are you seeing in the world that's kind of driving you to create content around and conversation around this topic? Yeah, I think similarly to you, there's not enough of us. Mm. And I think I'm in a unique position in that I don't work for someone else. I own my own company. And so I feel safe in stepping up on the platform. I also feel like it's my obligation 
because there's so many people that are silenced or so many people that could lose their jobs if their neighbor found out, you know, or their, their, their neighboring pod person found out. And we've seen that happen even in our community. Um, where I live, it's the home of Walmart. So I'm in Northwest Arkansas. We have Walmart, Tyson Chicken, JB Hunt Trucking. So like some prestigious big companies where we have vendors that make lots of money and they don't want to put their jobs on the line. So for us, right. it's a very like low key, but big community that's growing in our area. And it's one of those Vegas rules where like, if you see each other in the grocery store, like you just don't know each other and you're quiet about oh, it. It's fascinating, right? So for me, it's just, you know, A, when I went through the process of opening up my relationship, and finding that liberation and that feeling of, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for. Like all of a sudden I'm trying new things and sexually explorative and all that fun stuff. Like it, it just opened me up as a human. It opened me up and it, and it allowed me to step into a truer version of who I am. And so I want that for other people. And what I find is there's already a lot of people that are married that have been partnered for a long time that are really curious about mm -hmm. being open. And even if it's little things like um, I had a potential client this week contact me on Instagram and he was like, look, lady, <laughs> for years I have been just dreaming about going to a sex club. Like I'm a voyeur and I've never been with anyone but my wife. And I just, I imagine what that feeling would be like to step into a club and see other people having sex. And like that lights me up and I'm so excited. My wife thinks it's gross. She thinks I'm gross for wanting that. And so it's all these little pockets of people that have been married for a long time. Uh, a lot of times they're around our age and I think you might be a little bit younger than me, but they're, they're somewhere between 35 and 40. And they're like, I've been partnered for a decade or two. And they're like, is there more to this life? Is there more to my relationship? And at mm -hmm. that point, they're normally either sexless or hardly having sex. They're hardly communicating. They're literally just married for their kids. And they, and because that's what society tells them they're supposed to do. And they start to wonder, like, what if there was more? What if I could be sexually fulfilled in some way with adding someone else into my relationship? Or I do want to stay married for my kids, even though it's not like the sex life that I want. I at least love my partner. And so mm -hmm. I want to, you know, so for me, I guess I'm here for those people that are opening up and that don't know where to start and they don't know what to do. And then when it starts, they start to open, it feels really fucking crunchy, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, what do I do? And now I feel jealous and just calming that nervous system and putting practices in place to be okay with it and to communicate with their, with each other. Did that answer your question? It does answer my question. And it's, and I, I am not a therapist. I never claim to be a therapist. I'm always a storyteller, but it was been surprising to me how many people reach out that are not what you would expect when it comes to exploring non-monogamy. I have talked to so many couples kind of in, in very similar to, to, as you're describing, that are older in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, that are opening up their relationship because one person wants to explore a side of their sexuality they feel like they have not been able to tap into in their monogamous marriage. Um, people who are, are in dead bedroom situations love each other tremendously, as you were describing, but, are, but have a dead bedroom and need to spice things up, mm. have, have an incredibly strong, wonderful relationship relationship and have been together since they were teenagers and not been with anyone else and realizing, whoa, I kind of want to experience someone else before, before I'm too old. 
Um, and then I've also heard the heartbreaking side. I've had a lot of people reach out to me that have, for medical reasons, cannot be physically intimate with their partner and mm -hmm. do not want their partner to have to completely abstain from sexual experiences. Um, and I think that those are the, you know, reasons for opening up a relationship that don't get talked about very often in, in, in the public spaces. And, you know, everyone, there's a big assumption. I hear it, hear it in hate comments all the time, which is like, oh, you're just a they call all kinds of names calling. Like you're just a slut. You're, you, you know, it's all about sex. It's all about, and, um, and I, and that's never been, that's not been my experience. And that's not been what I've heard from, from other people that reach out to me or that follow me. Wonderful. Nice transition too, because I'd love to talk about that with you. So I, I've, I've been following you for a few weeks now, and I see that you talk about that you have multiple partners, that sometimes you fly to go see them. Um, mm. I'm assuming that, you know, you are polyamorous and that you see these people more than one time. You have a relationship with them. You probably like know their kids' names, even if you don't know their kids. Can you give us just like a little glimpse into that? And then we can move into like the haters and what are people saying and what's coming up? Sure. So I... I actually think of myself as someone in an open relationship. Um, and I've been in an open relationship for 13 years. And I think like in all long-term relationships, there are phases of that relationship. So my husband and I have been open and an open relationship is commonly thought of as like casual physical experiences with other people. Okay. And I would say for the first couple of years of our open relationship, it was very casual. It was, you know, casual experiences with others. It was friends with benefits situations, um, often that friends you really cared about, you know, but we're kind of friends with a physical intimate, intimate component or going to swingers parties and play parties and things like that. Um, we had a phase of monogamy after my first son was born, because if anyone has a child out there, you are not sleeping. And if you are not sleeping, the last thing you are doing is dating. Um, and so, you know, after we became parents for the first time and parenthood was overwhelming, you know, we sort of woke up one day and we were like, well, we've been monogamous for about a year. Interesting. Um, and then we had a phase of polyamory where both my husband and I had significant partners, um, and when we were polyamorous, you know, he had a girlfriend and he would see her regularly and she was a wonderful part of our lives. She had met our kids. We'd always introduced her as a friend of dad's. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she was never introduced as my husband's girlfriend. Our kids are still feel, our kids are young and it feels like it's still not the right time to tell them and explain mm -hmm. this to them. Uh, we're still explaining where babies come from. So I feel like, you know, in terms of chronological order, there are certain base things that we have to get right before we talk about non-monogamy and open relationships with our kids. Um, and so, you know, she was a big part of our lives. She's a wonderful human being. Um, and he's dated other women as well. And then at that time, I had also had a few boyfriends. To your point, people I cared about, you know, that I was seeing regularly, that I felt like they they were a really wonderful part of my life during that time period. Um, and at the moment, I think my husband and I are closer to open. Um, we have a lot of things going on work-wise um, and we're both still dating. And I think we'd be very open, you know, to meeting someone and, and being like, oh, wow, that person has the potential to be a boyfriend or girlfriend. But at this moment in time, um, both my husband are dating casually. And so I think it just has phases. It has. Um, and I I, I guess I think of myself as polyamorous. Um, it's interesting because many people of the polyamorous community would not consider me polyamorous. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, because I have what many would call a hierarchical relationship, mm -hmm. which I'm happy to talk more about, but um, it's, it's 
my relationship styles have kind of changed as I've evolved, as my husband has evolved, and as our relationship has evolved. Uh, and as we kind of meet different people in the different phases and stages of our life. Mm-hmm. And I think as we look at fluidity and gender and fluidity in our sexuality, why would we not have fluidity in our relationship status as well, right? Yeah. And within our own relationship with our partner. Um, you know, the, before I ask about haters, I have a question about jealousy because this always comes up and I'm sure you get this question all the time. How do you two deal with jealousy, especially as you move in and out of, um, you know, polyamory where you have more dedicated partners and then moving into just being open, it, does it still come up for you after 13 years? Oh, yeah, I'm a human being. I experience <laughs> jealousy and nervousness and excitement. It's a loaded question, huh? Yeah, like I was, I think... <laughs> I think one of the things about being in an open relationship that happens is you do, you expose yourself to more emotions. You mm-hmm. just you open the door for more emotions and more experiences, both the good and the bad. And I decided early on that those emotions, the good emotions, the the feelings of excitement and butterflies in your stomach and getting to fall in love and having new wonderful people come into your life was worth the jealousy and the nervousness and the, you know, sometimes bringing up, bringing up different insecurities. And I decided at the end of the day that that was worth it to me. That rainbow of emotions is worth it to me. I, um, I had a video go viral recently that, you know, very, very often one of the comments was like, she has no self-esteem. She has got no self, self-confidence. Why would she expose her to all, why would she expose herself to all these negative comments, all these negative emotions And I think one of the things that I maybe would love to go deeper on is the fact that I feel like jealousy and insecurity is a me issue. If I am dealing with insecurities, it's about me. My insecurities are things that I have to figure out for myself. Now, they might be triggered by someone else, which does happen. You know, I might have, you know, someone might come into my life who all of a sudden I feel like, oh, my God, that person caused me to be jealous. But that's not actually the case. You know, I am responsible for my jealousy. And I often find that my jealousy is deeply rooted in my own insecurities. So to give an example of this, um, you know, I I can give two examples. Like my husband had an ex-girlfriend and she was, she's just one of those people that was just immaculate at all times, like had perfect (laughs) hair, perfect nails. I I will never, ever have perfect nails. God bless fake stick-ons. Um, And I would get so jealous of how perfect she looked all the time. And it was because I wasn't making space for myself to take care of myself. You know, at that moment in time when I would get jealous of her, it was because I wasn't making enough space for me to to get my hair cut and to take myself up to the nail salon and just like let myself relax in a bath for an hour. You know, I wasn't making that space for me. So I was jealous of someone else who was making that space for themselves. But Mm -hmm. it was on me to solve that issue. Um. And I, th- and I think that that's kind of one example, but I deeply feel that uh, insecurities are, you know, I'm the only person who can solve my own insecurities. And I think that that helps with jealousy and it helps with the negative emotions. I think it also helps that, you know, my husband and I, we're in an open relationship and when I'm feeling jealous, I can just sort of tell him, I can be like, hey, I'm, I'm noticing right now that I'm reacting really negatively to this. And so either that means I need to solve it or you and I need to discuss it, or we need to kind of figure out a different space and time for you to talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. Um, because jealousy still happens, insecurities still happen. Thankfully, they happen a lot less than they did 13 mm-hmm. years ago when I was starting my open relationship. Yeah, you have the communication tools. And I think I want to add on to this that we as a society feel that the negative emotions are bad emotions. 
Mm. And what I'm learning as an adult partner to Scott, who is okay sitting in sadness, is okay sitting in really uncomfortable, crunchy feelings, is it's okay to feel all the feelings. It's okay to feel jealousy. In fact, like be grateful. You're a human that gets to experience this range of emotions. And then we get to just decide, how are we going to deal with it? Are we going to sit in it? Are we going to go internal like you did introspective? Is it me? Am I not allowing myself to go get my freaking hair done? Like it's a me problem. And this is again, where I go back to the nervous system and how can we put practices in place to calm ourselves, to remind ourselves that our partners love us deeply. They're not Mm -hmm. fucking going anywhere. They want to be with us. And if we can just remember that, I think that also takes the edge off of that jealousy. Like, is he going to leave me for the gorgeous woman with the amazing nails? Right. Of course not. Right. Um, And I think that that takes time to trust yourself that that's Mm going to be the case. But I think one of the pieces of advice that I I probably want to give more often mm-hmm. is you can't just be honest with your partner about your emotions. First, you have to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. If you are feeling jealous, state that I am feeling jealous. Here's why I am feeling, you know, I'm feeling nervous about the situation that my partner is about to go and do, or I'm feeling nervous about an upcoming date. My partner is about to have be honest with yourself because the, I think one of the things that makes it worse is like, you're like, if you were really nervous about something and you communicate something else to your partner, because then they can't help you, Mm -hmm. right? They can't be your support system while you are processing your own emotions. Mm, That is so good and so true. And to to remind your partner that they don't have to fix it. Yeah. When I did, um, I felt jealous a few months ago with, with my partner and some ex that he was talking to and she wanted him, but like not me. And we only play together in our dynamic. And And I was like feeling all kinds of jealousy. Like, what if he goes back to her? What if he wants her more than me? And and I started telling him like, this is how I'm feeling. I know this is ridiculous, but it's coming up and I just want to say it. And he was like, well, do you want me to not talk to her? Should I not talk? And I'm like, no, this is me. This is me problem. Yeah, yeah. I just process, like, please don't do anything. Just let me breathe through it. Let me feel it for a day or two. It's okay. It's going to go away. One of my big moments of jealousy, like big, you know, big jealous responses early on in opening up my relationship was when my husband wanted to go and hang out with his ex-girlfriend. And I, I mean, I was overwhelmed with how jealous I was of this woman I'd never met. I'd never, like I'd only seen photos and videos of her. And of course, you know, I see her and I'm like, she's perfect in every way. Um, And my husband said something, the smallest little thing. He's like, I, she and I are no longer together for a reason. You know, there's a reason that we broke up. There is a reason that you and I are together and she and I are not together. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh my gosh, of course, of course. Um, and it really kind of, that was like the small little statement that really helped me get over those big feelings of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and I really talked through it. And he ended up at that moment and, and our, at that time in our open relationship, he ended up not seeing her because of how negatively I was, I was responding. I, he went and saw her, excuse me, but they didn't do anything physical or, or um, they didn't have any physical connections. Um, and I, <laughs> and, um, and it's so funny because now, you know, 13 years later, if you were to go see his ex-girlfriend, he wouldn't face me a bit. I can't go have fun. I love that. Okay. Let's move into the haters. So I'm curious if it will, and maybe I'll just leave this open, but I'm curious if the haters are people that don't understand open relationships, 
other people that are in open relationships that we should be rallying around you for what you're doing. And instead they're just shitting all over you. Tell us what's going on in your world. I have no idea. (laughs) I have no (laughs) idea who the haters are. Um, I like to think I'm a nice, friendly person. Um, I think that, so, so of my videos, um, that I've created, I've had about 10 go viral, uh, in the past year and a half of over 10 million views. And I very recently last weekend, uh, had a video that was shared on Twitter and it went to 10 million views across Twitter pages. Um, and it was shared to different hate pages. I didn't even know that a hate page was a thing until last weekend. I was like, oh my God, what is that? these people that are following these hate pages? What's wrong with them? It's been fascinating. Uh, it's been a really fascinating experience for me. Um, and I'm, I was trying to bucket some of the hate comments that I get into themes, but I had to take a step back and, and separate myself from the individual comments and just kind of look at the space. I think what one of the things that happens in social media that maybe we all need to remember is the things that go viral are the things that are often very polarizing. And so I think one of my very first videos that went viral um, with 4 million views, it was such a polarizing video. And, and I look at it now, hopefully more objectively, where in that video, I come across as, you know, quite quiet and probably a little bit insecure. Again, I was filming my first video, like trying to be quiet so my kids didn't hear me. Um, and I can see now looking at it that it comes across like I was trying to be that I'm quiet and insecure. And then I talk about and then I use these very big words to describe my my husband's ex-girlfriend. I'm like, she's amazing. And I look at him like, oh, that I can see how that comes across as a little bit fake. And so the number one comment that I got on that video was like that I don't actually want this for myself. And I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think one of these kind of categories of, of hate comments comes from this idea that like, oh, there's no way that a woman could possibly want this for herself. There's no way that a woman could possibly want to share her husband. There's no way that a woman is doing this for herself. You know, she's clearly been brainwashed, gatless, gaslit, and coerced into this experience. And um, and so I think that's one category of comments that that I definitely get And I think there's a lot of people that also, you know, want to respond like, girl, leave him. You can do better than this. Like, it's it's very fascinating. Um, Oh, sorry. But where I was going with this is this polarizing content. Um, The the videos that go viral are when you get two extreme views. And I think my content, I think non-monogamy in general can have two very extreme opposing views. One being that monogamy is the only solution and being in a committed relationship with your partner, because that is the way that society and God and religion and tradition and culture has intended versus kind of this other way of thinking, which is like, wow, maybe there's a different alternative way that we can do things. Um, And I think when you get these two very conflicting views, then um, that results in in viral content. <laughs> yeah. What else? I would just want to add to that. I have noticed it's the people that have been cheated on where this is very triggering for them. Mm-hmm. They want safety and security again, some or or, or at, for once in their life. And so that feeling of why would you open yourself up to letting someone air quote cheat on you, right? And it's not that at all. In fact, it's completely the opposite of that. And there's so much conscious communication around being open that you have to have with your partner to be in a really, you know, to be in a relationship so full of trust and love and um, commitment to each other to, you know, be authentic and aligned that it's to me, it's the opposite of cheating. 
But on the other hand, I can really understand someone's perspective if they can. Yeah. I mean, if someone's been cheated on and they've been betrayed, I think one of the things, and I've been talking to a couple of people about this recently, I feel so fortunate that I've never been cheated on in any of my monogamous relationships before meeting my now husband. Um, But the people I've talked to that have been cheated on, I mean, not only is it a betrayal of trust, but they no longer can look back on their relationship and know which parts were true and which parts were lies. Yeah. Because when you find, when you are living an experience, you're like, everything here is wonderful. And then you find out that one thing was a complete lie. You don't know what else was a lie. And that is a really, really hard space to come back from. I mean, that's, I'm not sure I would recommend an open relationship to someone who's been cheated on, who's been betrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't even, I mean, it's for, for me, it's, you know, people are often saying like, oh, you must recommend an open relationship for everybody. I was like, no, no, that's, that's not the case at, at all. I think monogamy is a wonderful relationship style for many, many people. It just doesn't work for everybody. Um, I know it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking when I hear these betrayal and cheating and infidelity stories. Um, And it is interesting because I think in an open relationship that has a level of trust and communication that we have that I was, that you were just describing, um, I feel like infidelities are kind of off the table. They feel a little bit impossible in my, in my, in my relationship right now. And Right. Remove that grenade from from my marriage. Like, what are you doing? Why would you cheat? (laughs) You know what else I see too is this feeling of not enoughness that comes up that's really deep when you are cheated on and then your next partner wants an open relationship. You're like, Jesus, I just can't be enough for anybody. And that's a terrible feeling to feel. Yeah. I think that that's actually one of the other categories of comments that I get on a lot of my videos, which is mm-hmm. you are not enough for him. He's not enough for you. Yeah, I've um, seen some of that. And, and, I, and I really struggle with this word enough. I, I understand where it comes from. I mean, we are deeply ingrained from the Disney days of our Prince Charming that comes along and solves every single one of our issues. And the prince falls in love with the, the Cinderella and all of a sudden yeah. she is enough to be queen. Um, and so <laughs> the idea of enough is really deeply ingrained in us. And I think that as a as a woman, it's something I hope we really step away from. You know, I don't need any man to tell me that I'm enough. I'm more than enough. I'm way beyond a handful. And so I hope that we start to have this conversation that I don't need another man to tell me that I'm enough. I don't need to be, I don't need him to say like, you are all I need in life to feel like enough. Um, And I don't know how many years we are away from shifting that conversation around being enough for someone else as a, as a, um, uh, as, as a way to determine our own self-value and our own self-worth. Amen. (laughs) Do you have any other categories of hate that comes in for you? Oh, let me see. Uh, so I definitely have, as I said, I kind of have this whole category of I've been gaslit. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's definitely a category. I definitely have the category of hate around, like, I'm not enough for him. Mm -hmm. Um, there's definitely a category of hate around kind of my husband, you know, that someone who is asking their partner to be in an open relationship must be abusive, you know, must be manipulative. Um, and that's really heartbreaking to hear, especially because of how wonderful my husband is. Um, so it's like, oh man, that kind of breaks my heart. Um, let's see. I also, there's definitely, there's a pretty big religious component of the hate comments. You know, this is not the way that was intended. Um, trying to think what else. I think that what I'm learning from hate comments, um, is that they don't often, and comments in general, I'm not even gonna say hate comments, all comments. They're not actually about me. They're not actually about my content. They're about the commenter, you know, and it's about, 
people will see my content and they will see what they want or need based on what they are going through in that moment in their lives. You know, if someone, you know, kind of the example that we had seen before, if someone has recently gone, experienced an infidelity or experienced being cheated on, they will see my content. And I bet my content is really triggering for them. I bet it's really hard to watch my content if you've recently experienced an affair. Um, and so I, I can kind of understand when people comment on my content based on their own personal experiences. And I also get a lot of comments of people who say like, oh, I've never seen an open relationship work. And I'm my first initial, my initial reaction is I want to comment like, well, how many open relationships have you, have you seen? You probably haven't seen that many. We're not, we're, we're not a big chunk of society. We're definitely not public about this. You probably have people in your lives that are open. You don't even know about it. But I don't say that because they have communicated that based on their experiences and the people that they have seen in open relationships, those relationships haven't ended well, right? Mm -hmm. So they are watching my content based on their experiences. Um, and I think that that's helped me deal with, with hate and negative, negative comments more than anything else is just taking a step back and always knowing that a commenter is responding based on their experiences. Mm -hmm. It's not actually about me. It's not about my content. It's about mm -hmm. whatever they're going through. Yeah. Think about perspective and programming, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how they're viewing the world. And it, again, it takes this like opening of your consciousness to appreciate that other people might have different experiences than your own. It takes a bit of maturity. So I'm curious, do you respond to these comments or you just ignore them? I'm trying to figure that out. Um, <laughs> So I, I I think that any comment that is worded as a genuine question, I try really hard to respond to. Like anything that is a genuine question, I respond to because I think that that's important to have that narrative and that dialogue out there. Um, I think when people are just being mean to be mean, sometimes if it's mean to me, I'll let it go because I know it helps in terms of vir virality and shares. Mm -hmm. The moment someone is being mean to somebody else in my comments, I delete them and block that person. It's like, you can be mean to me. I'm putting myself out there in the world. I am making a conscious decision to create content and be out there in the world. You get to have your opinion. And sometimes that opinion is mean. And if it's to me, fine. The moment that you are not respectful or considerate and just downright abusive to somebody else in comments, you're gone. There's like, it's not a three strikes you're out deal. <laughs> like you're gone. I, I block you. Um, and that has been my current approach to kind of how I, how I'm dealing with, um, with the negativity that does pop up on my content. And I'm curious if it'll change in the future, but that's currently where I stand. I'm sure you've already developed like a little tribe and it's, it's like a tribe based on the platform Ooh. of like your faves. And they're like, Danielle, I love you. I'll follow you forever. Like I have a few of those and I'm like, Oh, Hey Bob, like <laughs> love you too. I have no idea who you are, but thank you for always being kind. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been a wonderful place to find a, a, fellow, a community of mm -hmm. other non-monogamous polyamorous people. I think what's been so fun for me about kind of TikTok, um, primarily TikTok and some of my other social channels as well, is you do get a window into someone else's life, mm -hmm. life that lives differently than you. And you get to see the behind the scenes and you get to hear their perspectives. And, and that has been just the most wonderful part of being on social media for me. I follow my Jewish Orthodox friend, I'm going to shout out to Alyssa right now. So uh, I, I am not, or I am not an Orthodox Jew and I absolutely adore her content. And I get to like, I get to just get to experience and learn so much more about Judaism that I wouldn't have known otherwise. Um, 
another heartbreaking side is I follow someone who is, who has terminal brain cancer and kind of how she's living with her children. And I mean, I, I, I truly appreciate all of her content and getting to see the behind the scenes of how she's managing this. And then I go home and I cuddle my children every single night until they fall asleep after, after hearing her experiences and her stories. And I, I hope that this is the case for so many other people out there that get to see this more, you know, authentic content of people living lives that are different than theirs. And I hope that it exposes people the way it does to me to just be so appreciative of lives that are different than me and people who have different experiences and different upbringings and different views on things. I love it. I genuinely love it. And I find so much connection with these people that are vastly different than me. Um, and so I hope that that's the case for most people on, on social platforms. I agree. So speaking of that, um, let's talk about other content creators, especially just like, let's focus in our space of being open. Sure. Is there room for more? And if, Absolutely. if there's people on the sidelines, like I've been thinking about stepping up onto the platform, but I'm really scared and I don't know how everybody's going to react. What would you say to them? Absolutely. There's always space for sharing stories. Like people love sharing, you know, hearing stories, especially if they can find someone that's going through something that they're also going through. Um, so I absolutely think there's more space for non-monogamy content, for open relationship content. And let me just say alternative relationship content. I mm -hmm. think that kind of to what we were saying beforehand with gender fluidity and sexual experimentation, I can't even imagine all the different types of relationship styles that are going to come into existence in the next couple of years, five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and so absolutely, I think that there is more space for content creators and people in general just sharing their story and their lives. I think it's one of the beautiful aspects of social media is, like I said, that behind the scenes look into someone's life. I will caveat one thing, which is um, I have someone that I'm following um, who has recently opened up her relationship and she's about and she's been posting on social media since day one of opening up her relationship. And I kudos bravo to her. I think she's so strong. However, I think one of the things that she's experienced that she's kind of talked about is that when you are living something and you are figuring it out for yourself, it's really difficult to get so much commentary from other people, especially when you you don't know where that commentary is coming from and you don't know where that feedback and those that advice is coming from. I think one of the benefits of being in a open relationship for 13 years is that I can now share some of my stories from opening up, you know, 13 years. 12, 11 years ago, and I have the confidence and self-knowledge and trust in my relationship and experience to be able to talk about those experiences authentically and tell the truth of how I was feeling. I, everyone that follows me on my social media knows that like when I opened up my relationship, it hurt. It was hard to hear my partner say to me, do you want to explore an open relationship? And I talk about those feelings openly. I'm not sure I could do that if I was day five into opening up a relationship. It's something that I can do in hindsight. So I think there's absolutely more space for creators out there, but for any creator that is coming into social media and sharing their journey as they're experiencing that journey, I guess my advice would be one, recognize that the commenters, your content is not about you. It's about them. And two, if you need time to take, if you need space and time to process for yourself, take it, please take it. Trust your own judgment before you're trusting anybody else, especially online. Yeah, that's a great, that's great advice. I was one of those that processed publicly. Um, I didn't mm -hmm. have a TikTok at that point, but I had a blog and I could write. And I was like, 
I want to share my journey and I want to share my pain and being ecstatic and meeting a new boyfriend, like all of it. I wanted to just have a record. And I was like, I'm just going to put it on my blog. <laughs> I don't know that anyone's read it, but it's all there. What was your experience then? What was your experience kind of living and processing publicly at the same time? Beautiful. But again, I put it on a blog and I didn't have anybody respond to it. Like I just put it on my website underneath the blog section. And I did, that's not true. I did share it in my email marketing and I have about 10,000 people on my email marketing. And this was interesting too. So Daniel, I've been in the retail space. Like I've helped companies sell to Walmart and Amazon. And I start sharing about my relationship to the same people that I've been selling Walmart and Amazon services to. And it was fascinating. I actually, I had just maybe a handful of people that were like, why the fuck are you sharing this with me? Take this off, take this off my, you know, take me off your email list. And I was like, okay, like if you can't handle me and who I really truly am as a human, then I, you know, I, you don't, I don't, you don't need me in my life and I don't need you in my life and that's okay. It's totally okay. So I just removed them. And then I had a ton of people that came back and said, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. Like, please keep sharing. We have never heard of this before. Like, wow, Jen, I'm glad you're so happy. And I shared, I shared move out day when my ex-husband moved mm -hmm. out and how I, you know, cried out in the driveway as I told him I loved him. And I understood that we needed to move on because he didn't want to be non-monogamous and, and I didn't want to be vanilla anymore. And it was like this beautiful changing of paths in our life and, but it still fucking hurt and it, it hurts. was okay to hurt. And it was okay to, it was the first time I sat in my emotions of hurt. Usually I would just bypass and like, look for the happy and be happy. I was very Pollyanna. And this was the first time I allowed myself to just feel, you know, that feeling in your chest that like is sinking and it like, it hurts and you feel like you're suffocating. That was a feeling for a while as I had Scott in my life. And I remember feeling bad about telling him that I missed my ex-husband. It was just such an interesting time. But and what an amazing relationship that you have that you're able absolutely. to be able to feeling. You're he'd able be like, to babe, let me just, this is what I'm feeling. Yes. He'd be like, let me just told you it's going to be okay. I understand. And I'm glad you're with me. And I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Thanks. So beautiful. So thank you for that. And for, yes, I would join you and say the same thing for potential content creators. Like there is come play in our sandbox. We want you to come join us and we need more people in this space to be communicating about it. That's how we normalize about it, right? It's how mm -hmm. we normalize being open. I think my last question for you is who is your follower? Like, who would you say you are for? Yeah, sure. Uh, the fact that I can break this down to you in percentages is scary and kind of comes from the fact that my marketing for so long. So about 65% of my audience uh, are ages 18 to, to 34. And um, and that, so it's a very large percentage of my audience are people that are opening up their relationship for their first time. Uh, it is primarily women. Uh, so the majority of my following are women and um, women exploring the idea of non-monogamy, exploring opening up a relationship um, at the same time want family and kids and a career. 
I think that one of the most common things I hear from a lot of my followers is like, I'm a woman and I want it all. I want everything. I want, I want, I want a partner, but I still want a boyfriend and or girlfriend. Um, I want a career. I want to feel really ambitious, but I still want to be a mother because I've always kind of wanted that. And, and like, I want so much and I am trying to figure out a relationship style that is going to let, allow me to lead my biggest life. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's kind of the, um, and at the same time, they are figuring out how to open up a relationship. Oftentimes, you know, people are coming to me and following my contact because they're figuring out how to open up a relationship for the first time. Um, and so I think that would be the majority of my audience. I do have kind of, as I mentioned earlier on, kind of a secondary audience, which is a little bit older that have been in long-term monogamous relationships and are also figuring out how to open up for the first time. And they often have very specific reasons why they're trying to open up. So one person, you know, wanting to be bisexual, um, going through medical experiences, life changes, um, they have more specific reasons often why they're trying to open up, they, why they want to open up their relationship. But I would say that that's kind of my my general audience. And one of the things that I've found myself as a recommendation for people opening up is if you are brand new to non-monogamy and you are starting a relationship and you are opening up that relationship together for the first time, that's an, that's an adventure. That's a journey that you get to take together and establishing and communicating your boundaries and determining agreements and rules is going to help you build trust in that relationship to figure out if non-monogamy works for you. For other couples that have been monogamous for a long period of time and want to open up, my advice is always, well, you have deeply established trust. And so then you're determining your boundaries and you're establishing rules that are actually going to help you maintain that trust and maintain your existing relationship, but allow more space for experiences. And there's no wrong or right way to do it. There's, you can, you can open up from day one, you can open up years into your relationship. There's no wrong way to do it. It's just maybe a different way of thinking about your, your rules and your agreements that you establish for an open relationship, either building trust together or kind of maintaining the trust that you've already established. Um, So I have both, both groups really follow my content and I, and I hope it's helpful for them. I actually ended up, um, and I'm going to do a little bit of a shameless plug if you don't mind, Jen, but um, no, please. I uh, created a course and I, I, I'm not a therapist. Um, and so when I created this course, I created a course, a couple's guide to opening up. It's available on my website, which is opencommitment.com. And over the past year and a half, I've probably talked to 400 people, but for this course, I actually spoke in depth to over 20 couples about their, about opening up their relationships and what they learned and what they would have done differently. And these are 20 couples that now have successful open relationships. Um, and I compiled kind of all of their advice mixed with my advice and my stories and my recommendations and created kind of a one hour course. Um, so a couple's guide to opening up, because as I mentioned, that really is kind of the people who follow me. Um, and I'm, I do feel fortunate that I also have a small group of people that are monogamous and happily monogamous um, and are learning things from open relationships in terms of communication devices and talking more openly about um, about their feelings and about their emotions, including jealousy, uh, as well as kind of redefining their own boundaries uh, in and for themselves, as well as agreements and rules for their relationships. And so that feels really rewarding as well. Awesome. Okay. So if our listeners or viewers, if you're watching this, if they, if you want more of Danielle, what else outside of the course can they do to have more of you in their life? 
Yeah, sure. So the best thing to do is to follow me as I'm openly committed across uh, all of my platforms, primarily on, on TikTok. I'm also very active on Instagram, uh, Instagram, Reddit, and and just started on YouTube. So we're going to see what happens there. Okay. Um, I also have an email list that I send out about once a month. Uh, so, I have, so if anyone wants to subscribe to my email list, I often send out just recommendations. So this is a podcast I've been listening to. You know, this is a book that just came out that I love. You know, these are some other recommendations or things that I'm hearing as well, some inspiration. Um, and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to be, I love being on a podcast. I'm hoping to do a few more of these mm-hmm. and sharing my thoughts. Um, but I think the best way to connect with me right now is on social media. And then, as I said, my course is available on my website. Perfect. With All right. More to gonna, come. Do what? And with more to come, but we're going to get more to come. I know. I feel more like, to come. You. like you're going to have just this amazing community. You already do have an amazing community. You have an amazing community. I am so grateful for Thank the community. You. It's so, it's just wonderful. Thank you for being on today. So I'll make sure that you put all these links in the show notes below. Um, I know you're already live on TikTok, but the week that this goes live, I'd love to do another, like a a live Q&A where people can ask questions and we'll just, we'll take the questions live. Awesome. Okay. All right. Have an amazing day, Danielle. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.